You know, in life, there are times when uh, all of us uh, come to what I call a border uh, between what is known and what is unknown. Uh, we come to these times where we're about to transition uh, maybe from one area of life to another, uh, and we have to make changes because we, it affects our, our, our normality. If it affects what we're accustomed to. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this this week, you know, um, of going, uh, like, for example, going from elementary to junior high, okay? Uh, I remember that was a big deal where I grew up because uh, in junior high, you got lockers for the first time, okay? Uh, we didn't have lockers until you hit sixth grade where I grew up. And, and I can remember uh, going from elementary uh, to junior high meant you got to eat uh, off the salad bar every day, okay? So I remember changing that and then going from junior high to high school, big change. All of a sudden, for example, lunch was open campus until you got until ninth grade, you had to eat in the cafeteria. And then all of a sudden, a whole new realm of possibilities were opened uh, before you just from lunch. And then, uh, and then from high school to college, when you, when you no longer have somebody there to wake you up every day to make sure you're going to school. Matter of fact, my mom was so worried about that with me uh, that she bought me an alarm clock that crowed like a rooster. And it was the most annoying alarm clock that I've ever had. Um, and she bought it thinking it'd be great. Well, the problem was this alarm clock didn't have a snooze button. And so when I hit the button to turn it off, it actually went off. Okay. And so there was no, uh, so what I had to do to ensure getting up and going to class was I took this annoying alarm clock and I set it on the other side of my dorm room. So I actually had to literally get out of my bed and walk over there and turn it off. And, and, and more times than not, I actually went ahead and got up. There were times I went and crawled back in bed. I would say that. But uh, uh, So there's these times where we transition in life and we have to make adjustments. For example, again, going from single to dating or from dating to marriage. Big change. Going from no children in your home to having children in your home. Big change. Going from one child to more children is a, a big change. Changing one job and going to another or, or, or moving from one town and in to another. There are changes where we stand on the border of what is known and in looking at in the future, which is unknown. As a minister, uh, some of the scariest but most exciting times is when God moves you from one ministry to another. It's exciting, but it's also scary because you're leaving what you know. You're leaving a church that, that, that you love or, or that loved you and encouraged you and supported you, and you're going into a church that you can only hope is going to love you, support you, and encourage you. So it's scary, but it's also exciting from time to time. So we always find ourselves from time to time in situations where we're standing on this border of what is known and what is unknown. Well, today, I believe, is one of those days. We are standing at the border of what, uh, from the known to the unknown, in that we're standing in the last day of 2017, a year that was full of good and great things in many of our lives, and, and maybe even some sad and, and not so good things in some of our lives, but it's been kind of known to us. We, we've expected we're living in that time frame, but, but we're staring into something completely unknown, 2018. Where many, we don't have a clue what 2018 is going to bring. 
I mean, we, we, this is a time of year where people are known to, to put together New Year's resolutions lists. And so this, we're standing at the unknown of 2018. Is this really going to be the year that I actually lose weight? Okay, Is this really going to be the year where I eat more healthy? Is this going to be the year where I get my finances in line? Is this going to be the year where I actually get committed to the Lord? Is this going to be the year where I actually spend some time reading my Bible instead of just putting it on a list in, in December, hoping that I'll do it? Uh, for the next year? Am I going to spend some time praying? We, we make these lists, but the reality is we don't exactly know what 2018 is going to bring. It's an unknown. So how do we step confidently into the unknown from what is known? And to answer that, I'd like for us to look at a story found in Joshua chapter 3 that I believe relates to where we are today at the standing on the edge of the unknown. And we're going to find some truth. God had for the Israelites that I think also uh, are very relatable to us this morning. So in Joshua chapter 3, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning. We're actually just going to read the first eight verses. We'll talk about some more of them, but we're going to read verses 1 through 8. This is what the Word of God says in Joshua chapter 3, verses, verse 1 through 8. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, and he and all the children of Israel... And lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure, which is about 1,000 feet. Uh, do not know, uh, do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Okay, so the Israelites, here they are, they're standing, they've been in the wilderness, they've, they've wandered, they've been in the wilderness 40 years due to disobedience, they've finally come to the edge of the promised land, and he's telling them that when we go, we get ready to go, you need to follow the ark of the Lord, because you've never been here before, you don't know where you're going, it's an unknown, okay? And then he says this, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would bless the reading of your word this morning as we begin to examine it. I pray that I would decrease and that your spirit living in me would increase and that the words would be shared today be your words and not mine, and they will find the place you have for them in the hearts and lives of your people. Lord, I pray today that uh, we would really focus and, and comprehend and understand uh, truths from your word that would impact our hearts and our lives, not just for today, but for the rest of our lives, and that we would walk and, and follow you in obedience is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, all of Joshua chapter 3 is really about the Hebrews finally getting to inherit the promised land that had invaded them for 40 years due to their disobedience. But, but before they can go into the promised land, they, they, have, uh, they have something in front of them that's an unknown. And it's not just the unknown of where they're going. I mean, they don't know, for example, uh, this is where I'm going to focus. I'm not going to focus so much on the unknown of the promised land. It's the unknown of the river. 
Okay, and so this river, they have come to the edge of the Jordan River. And if you read a little bit further down in verse 15, you'll see this picture of what they saw. The Jordan River had swelled its banks. It was in its flood stages. Okay, and so this Jordan River, which overflows throughout the harvest season, when it did that, the currents would reach up to 40 miles per hour wherever the Jordan flooded. And more, the plain that surrounded the Jordan River had very, very thick, tangled brush around it. And so when it would flood, it became a thicket underneath the water. Okay, and so the Israelites would have known that. And so when they come to the edge of the Jordan, they can see the the promised land on the other side, but they have a huge unknown right in front of them that they have to cross a border where they don't know what's under the water. They don't know what's there. They know that it's flooded, so they know there's currents. They know there's thickets, so they know there's thickets, but they don't know where where they are exactly and how they're going to cross. So they have this huge unknown that they have to step across, and, and, and it's really kind of a dreadful and confusing thought for them. I mean, you can almost hear the doubts over the night fires of the, of the families as they're camped there because, you know, they were uh, kind of Baptists. They like to complain about lots of stuff. And so uh, you can kind of hear their doubts. How are we going to cross this? Maybe, maybe our young people, maybe our strong will be able to get across this, but how are we going to do this together? What about our infants or those that are sick or the age, not to mention um, our wagons? How are we going to get across this unknown. And if we're going to cross it, how do we do so in faith and in confidence? And I believe to answer that question, God gives them three specific things they have to do in order to step from the known into the unknown with confidence. Because that's reality where we are today. As a church, as individuals, we're getting ready to step into 2018. And sometimes when a new year comes, we kind of just kind of kind of want to test the water, you know, we just kind of, I'm not really sure if I want to move forward. I kind of, maybe it was a good year for you in 2017, and you just kind of, I'm not sure I'm ready because this has been a good year. I don't know what, I'll just stay right here, and you can't really do that. Sometimes it's a bad year, and you just want to leap, you know, and you just want to get into the new year. But how do we step into the unknown, not just of 2018, but ever in our life? How do we step into the unknown with confidence? Well, I believe the Lord gives them three things this morning I want to share with you. The first one is if you want to step into the unknown with confidence, number one, you have to follow the movement of God. You have to follow the movements of God. You see, after three days, the officer went through the camp and they commanded the people in verses two through four. He says this, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priest, you must break camp and follow it. Okay, and so the Ark of the Lord or the, the Ark of the Covenant was in front of them, and they are called to follow it. Now, why did this command mean, what did this command mean to the Israelites, and why would God care so much about a piece of furniture that he would require that not only it go first, but they keep a distance between, you remember I read about 2,000 cubits or about 1,000 feet. Why would he say, number one, this piece of furniture has to go first, and number two, you need to stay at least 1,000 feet behind it? Why would he do that? Well, to answer that question, you've got to remember what the ark represented to the people. 
You see, the Ark of the Covenant represented God's presence to their people. You remember what was in the Ark of the Covenant. The stone tablets where the finger of God had carved out the original Ten Commandments were inside. The, the, uh, there was a, a pot of manna that reminded them of God's provision when they were in the wilderness. There was Aaron's rod, if you remember Aaron's rod, which was basically a, a dead stick that miraculously uh, grew leaves and almonds off of it, if you remember those stories. And so there's an example inside this ark that represented God's power, God's presence, okay, and God's authority and his provision for them. As a matter of fact, if you remember what's on top of the ark of God, the the top of the ark was called the mercy seat, and it's described in Exodus chapter 25, and and it was two cherubim who who were kneeling down over uh, over this mercy seat, and according to Psalms 80 and, and 99, describes as the mercy seat being the throne upon which God descended. And so that was the mercy seat, the presence of God to the people. And so the ark of God, the reason why it's so important that they're told this is because the ark of God represented the actual presence of God to the people, and they were to follow God, not themselves. Why? Because we've already seen what the Israelites like to do when they don't follow God, right? They began to complain, and they began to argue, and they began to create their own way. They began to create their own gods. They began to remember the golden calf. They, 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 they began to do their own, go their own way, and it always leads them into more trouble. And so God says, don't do that. Follow me. Follow me. And the reason why they had to stay 1,000 feet is so everyone could see the movement of God. You see, if everybody crowded in, this is, a, this is a whole group of people. We don't know how many thousands or maybe even millions of Israelites there were. We don't know. There were a lot. And if they crowded in to follow this mercy seat, then the people at the front would have seen the movement of God, but the people as a whole would not. And so they had to keep a distance a far enough where the entirety of the nation could see the movement of God, and then they could follow the movement of God. You see, as we gaze ahead at the unknowns, it's easy for us to maybe be afraid, be uncertain. How are we going to cross this? How are we going to step into the unknown with with certainty? And, And how do we do that? Well, because we don't really know what's also lurking under the water. We don't know what next year is going to bring. We don't know uh, any of those types of things in our lives. But we know we can trust the movement of God in our lives. So number one, if we're going to step into the future of the unknown with confidence, you do it by following the movement of God. Number two, you need to consecrate yourself. Look down in verse 5 of chapter 3. Verse 5 says, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify or consecrate, literally, yourselves, for tomorrow uh, the Lord will do wonders among you. Now that's a a word we don't hear a lot about. We don't talk a lot about consecration uh, in our churches today. But that's exactly what Joshua told the people that they needed to do. They need to consecrate themselves. Now the Hebrew word for consecrate literally means to prepare, to dedicate to be hallowed, uh, to be holy 
to be set apart. That's what the word consecrate means. It means to prepare themselves, to dedicate themselves to being holy or to be set apart. Now, God was telling his people that to step into the unknown and to do so with confidence and to do so the way that he intends for them to do that, they must set themselves apart. They needed to consecrate themselves. They needed to be holy. Now, then, that involved a couple things for the Israelites, for the people of God in the Old Testament, to consecrate themselves, to set themselves apart, to be, to be holy. They, they had to do two things. Number one, they had to uh, personally repent of every known sin in their life. They had to take time to repent of sin. A lot of people think that repentance is kind of a new thing that's in the New Testament. No, it's actually an Old Testament principle was repentance, to turn away from uh, that which was bad and turn towards God. And so they needed to repent of their sins. You can see examples of repentance in the Old Testament. One of the greatest is in Psalms 51, which is the, the actual psalm of David of repentance for his sin with Bathsheba. It's a great psalm. If you've never read it, I encourage you. Psalm 51 is a great psalm of repentance, but, but it involved this idea of, of, uh, of repenting of every known sin. Now, one of the primary reasons Israel found uh, that, that blocked their way, and we too will find blocks ours, is sin. One of the things that will keep us from following the movements of God in our lives is sin, because sin separates us from him. Listen to how the prophet Isaiah wrote it in Isaiah 59. He says, but your iniquities have built barriers between you and your God, and your sins have made him hide his face from you so that he does not listen. Okay, and so we've talked about that before, how sin hinders our prayer, and that's true, but sin also divides us and separates us from his presence, and so they were to consecrate themselves by repenting of their sin. It's kind of the Old Testament idea of 1 John 1, 9 for a Christian, which is, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, as a Christian, we still need repentance in our lives, and they need repentance and theirs. And so to consecrate yourself is to repent of known sin in your life. On the eve of one of the greatest days in their history, where they were about to inherit the promised land that they had been promised, they were commanded to be certain that they were consecrated, that they were set apart, that they were holy, and they were right with God. They needed to examine their lives, and they needed to confess and forsake the sins of their lives, and devote themselves wholly to the Lord. And we must do the same. Number two, They also, not only to consecrate themselves, they didn't just need to personally repent of known sin. They needed to uh, put themselves on spiritual alert. Consecration in the Old Testament involved, it was an actual something that was done. And, And when you did that, to set yourself apart from sin, to consecrate yourself, you did repent of known sin. But another thing that you would do is you would... um, you abstain from certain normal behaviors in order to focus more on the Lord. Let me give you some examples. Consecration in the Old Testament involves things like washing your clothes or abstaining from sexual intimacy or relationships, changing your work schedule, and other things like that. So you would, you would, uh, you would interrupt the normal of life to, to focus on the spiritual part of life. They would deliberately interrupt good and normal functions in order to be on spiritual alert. 
You see, consecration means I will set aside the typical and I will put on the spiritual and I'll be ready to see where God is working around me so that I can join him where he's working. And so consecration was was personally repenting of sin, but it was also putting yourself on spiritual alert to see God's movement in your life. I want you to know something. It's hard to see God's movement when you're not looking for it. If you're not looking for it, you're going to have a very difficult time figuring out where God is wanting you to go. It's like wandering around in the dark, blindfolded with a gun, trying to hit a moving target. You're not going to get very good at it. I'm just telling you. I don't care what the show, The Greatest Showman shows. You're not going to be very good at that. I haven't seen the movie, but Jenna went with the kids yesterday. So I was just pointing that out. It doesn't matter. You're, you, if you get a blindfold on you and, and you are trying to hit a moving target, you're not going to be very good at it. Why? Because you can't see the target. How in the world do you and I expect to follow God if we're not looking for God to move? And one of the ways we put ourselves in a position to see God move is we consecrate ourselves. We put ourselves on spiritual alert to see and and to perceive his movement in our lives. And then lastly this morning, we not only need to follow the movement of God, and and we need to consecrate ourselves and set ourselves apart from sin and and be on spiritual alert for his movement. Lastly, we need, if we're going to step out into the unknown with confidence, you have to step out in faith and you actually have to step out you have to step out i want you to know as a as a christian even as a pastor one of the hardest things to do in life is to step out in faith it's it's not easy like some people are like oh that's easy just trust god listen i've met people that can just step out in faith and there's a reason why they can step out in faith they have a very strong faith where they have stepped out numerous times and realized that God is always there. But if you've never stepped out in faith, it's difficult to step out in faith. When when you know God's calling you to do something and you know he's calling you to do it, but you don't know how that's done, you've never done that, you've never crossed this way before like the Israelites, sometimes it's hard to step out in faith. But that's exactly what God tells them to do. Look at verses 7 and 8. He says this in verses 7 and 8, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, When you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Now jump down to verse 13. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters that come down from the stream shall be cut off. The waters that come down from the stream, they will, uh, shall stand as a heap. And so there's this idea that God is basically telling he's going to do something he's already done for him once. You remember he parted the Red Sea, and the generation before them walked across on dry land, right? What they do before he parted the water? They complained. And God parted the water, and they walked across on dry land. And then he tells them again, I'm about to do the same thing. But he tells them that won't happen until they stand in the water. The Levites, the priests, had to stand in the water. They had to step out. God wasn't anymore. He was not going to just part the waters in front of them, he wanted them to step out in faith. And then what he do? He parted the waters. And as long as the priests and the Levites were standing in the waters with the ark of God, the water 
stayed up, and the people walked across on dry land. You see, there was a, a drastic step that had changed between the parting of the Red Sea and the parting of this sea, and that is he wanted the people to have faith that he would do what he said he would do. And that, and that took faith. They had to step out. You see, the moment of truth had come. The priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, they must step out in the floodwaters and then stand still right there. And then the command of God to step into the water called for them to get their feet wet. Now, understand this, church. Uh, focusing on the Lord is essential to stepping out in, 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 with confidence in the unknown. Consecrating yourself to the Lord is vital because it enables you to see where God's moving. But you have to take the last step. You have to step out in faith. You have to step out in faith. You see, there's a Jordan of unknowns that stretches before each and every one of us today. Whether or not it's just from the fact that we're about to step into a new year where we don't know what the future is going to bring. Truth be told, it's not just about stepping into the new year. We don't know what later today is going to bring. What tomorrow's going to bring, technically, even though tomorrow's the new year. You know what I'm saying? We don't know the future. And so every day we wake up stepping into an unknown. How do we do that with confidence, not just into a new year, not just when we change jobs, not just when we, we have a, a change in our life that's moving us from what is known to the unknown. How do we do so with confidence? Because there are uncertainties in all of our lives all the time. We must believe that there is nothing too difficult for God. We must believe that he will lead us where we need to go. And so we need to follow his movement by being on spiritual alert for his movement so we can perceive it. And then when we see God moving and we, we comprehend and we perceive his movement, then we step out in faith and we follow him. It sounds a whole lot like the writer of Hebrews chapter uh, 11 and 12. And, and when the writers of Hebrews chapter 12 says uh, to let us throw off sin, uh, the sin that so easily entangles us. Uh, and, and one of the things he tells us to do and how we do that is uh, by running our race of faith is to keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You see, you and I to step forward in confidence whenever there's uncertainty in front of us, it takes faith and it takes movement. And I want to ask you this morning, are you ready to take that step? Because truth be told, barring one of us passing away or the Lord's return, everyone in this room are going to step into an unknown year tomorrow. So are you going to step out in confidence? Or are you just going to kind of try to tiptoe your way through? I don't know about you, but as a church and as an individual, I want to step out with confidence. I want 2018 to be a God-moving year in this church and in my personal life way it's going to be a, a year that where it's like that is if I'm following the movement of God. And I can't follow the movement of God if I don't see God. And I don't see God if I'm not being alert and perceiving his movement. And then it's not going to be that kind of year if I don't actually follow wherever he's leading me to go 